Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. Hi everyone, this is Roland. A lot of people are all stressed out. Would you like to learn how to conquer stress? Dr. Hans Selyer, the father of stress management, talked about eustress and distress. Well, eustress, of course, is good stress. So how can you turn distress into eustress? Here's a simple example. If you resent somebody then that becomes distress. It makes you irritated and nervous and so on. But if you forgive them, now it's a eustress. Whatever the other person did becomes an opportunity to forgive, to have patience, to have long-suffering. And thereby, it's a good stress because it stresses you to become better. I would like to personally invite you to listen in to today's program. I'm going to be talking about how to turn stress into an opportunity to grow in your Christian life. Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is Stress is an Opportunity. And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Today, I'm turning the microphone on as I always do, and I want to talk to you about something that is very important And I want to talk about the Garden of Eden today. Perhaps I can talk about it in such a way that you'll see that what happened to Adam is what we inherit. We inherit a fallen existence. And what we have today is the result of a fall, Adam's fall. We're born as fallen creatures, but then in our life we fall even farther. The whole purpose of life is to refine your Creator. Re-establish a bond with Him, and then you can have something like what Adam had before the fall, but even better than that. But I want you to see how stress is involved. Stress. Dr. Hans Selye, the great researcher, is called the father of stress management. He studied it and understood every detail of it. But he wrote a book, and The title of the book was Stress Without Distress. He talked about distress and eustress. Distress being bad stress and eustress being good stress. Now, I think that is going to be important for you to help you understand about all of your reactions and why you react and why stress has become debilitating and how to handle stress, and how to recover from it. Now, right now, before I lose the train of thought, I want to mention why Dr. Hans Selye talked about eustress and distress. Now, normally when you think of stress, you think of it as a bad thing, right? We think of being all stressed out and getting a tummy ache and a headache and everything. Stress at work and our kids' stresses and our partner stresses and money problems stresses and health issues stresses. And the environment stresses us and all that. Well, that's true enough. But there's also what Dr. Hans Selye called eustress. Oh, and as far as distress, don't forget things like a divorce, losing a job, you know, that sort of thing. But now, eustress. Why did Dr. Hans Selye talk about eustress? Well, what he meant was, is that stress can be invigorating And we all know that, for example, if you're getting ready for some kind of a sports contest, 
you feel a little bit of excitement over it, and your adrenaline pumps and you compete and afterwards you feel good, you know that sort of thing. Or you're going to have a birthday party and you're excited about going to have the birthday party. You're going to get married and it's exciting. Or you're going out on a date and it's exciting. You know what I mean. So that that's you stress. In other words, it, it's, it's a positive thing. It's positive in that it gives your life zest. And it's also a good form, I'm putting it in quotation marks, a good form of motivation. You know, so a guy that's sitting at home and he's not working and he's sitting around and sitting around. Finally, he says to himself, I've got to get a job. And so that is a motivation for him to get out there and find a job. And then he finds a job and then he feels a lot better about himself. Do you see what I mean? So that's eustress. Now, we all know that eustress can become distress when you get too much of it. Too much of a good thing. Too much excitement. Too much competition then you can damage your joints or, all right. So now we've talked about eustress and distress. Well, let me take it to the next higher level so that you know what stress is really all about. In the Garden of Eden before the fall, Adam had a stress-free existence. He and Eve were in paradise. Everything he needed was there for him, and it came from the Father. Adam could have lived forever. All he had to do was stay close to God and have God's life in him. And he would have lived forever on an endless journey of adventure, discovering new worlds. You know, like Star Trek, remember? And discovering not only new worlds and the marvels of nature, and of science, but discovering of the Creator, and of the Creator's magnificent universe and the Creator's handiwork, and being in perpetual awe and wonder of the glory and the creativity and the greatness of the Father. You understand? I always tell people I'm just a man with a microphone. I'm on a station for a while, and then sometimes I leave and I'm on another station. And I try to stay at least half a year or a year on each station. I've been on some stations over 10 years. I've been on some stations 15 years or more. I'm like a wandering preacher. I'm a traveling evangelist, and I travel the radio airwaves. I don't have a church. I don't have a big building. I just have a microphone. Yes. I am a pastor, but the only reason I want to become a pastor is so that you have an idea that I'm serious about this. And my goal is to wake you up and find the good Lord, and then he'll take over and do all the rest. Adam could have lived forever. All he had to do was stay close to God. It was that simple. And he would have had everything. In fact, I believe this is just speculation on my part, but I don't think Adam had to eat before the, the fall. Somehow he was sustained in, in some way. You know how some people can 
almost live off of other people's approval or live from someone else's love. And then when other people's approval is withdrawn or their love is withdrawn and the person can literally wither, I'm sure you may have noticed something like that. Well, Adam was sustained in every way by the Creator. But when Adam fell, he fell away from, from God. He fell not only away from God's presence and from God's sustaining love and God's sustaining energy, but he fell away from the total sustaining that God had had, had for him. And so now Adam began to devolve. He, in fact, if you read the, uh, I'm pretty sure it's in the, uh, in the lost books of the Bible, it tells the whole story of, of Adam. You know, we get the adumbrated, the short version in the Bible, but in the lost books of the Bible, and I, I do believe it's true, and it talked about him, if I'm not mistaken, having to grow intestines. I believe Adam grew intestines after the fall. Because Adam no longer had an invisible means of energy support from the Creator. Now he had to grow, devolve, to become like an animal, to eat, and to glean energy from that food. You see what I mean? So Adam devolved, so he had to eat. And Adam devolved so that he had to reproduce before he had had eternal life. He would have lived forever. But after the fall, Adam was going to die. And so in order to perpetuate the species, in order to go on living, well, replacement bodies needed to be made. And through reproduction, Replacement bodies came along to replace the previous generation when it passed away. You see what I mean? So then you had that. So chief among the things that Adam now had to do was to eat and to reproduce. And to this very day, don't we feel a bit of uh, modesty um, about eating and about procreation? We do because somehow we sense that a fall is involved. Well, all right, so there you have it. So Adam fell. But now here's what I'm getting to as far as stress. The very first stress that Adam, the very first stress that Adam uh, encountered that he reacted to and then was, um, was, um, what's the word to use, impinged upon by was the stress of evil, the stress of the serpent. Words, speaking through his wife. Words, see, see, the serpent was there as a stress. See, a challenge, a tease. See, and Eve listened to what the serpent had to say, and then she presented it to Adam. And Adam responded to her words, didn't he? he? He was stressed by her words. And he found the, her words exciting. Ah, uh, there you go. 
There's the first reaction to stress, excitement. So there's the stimulus, and it stimulated his thought processes, and he dwelt upon the idea of how he could be a big man, and he could do it without God and prove something to somebody with knowledge, see? And so he liked that idea, he was excited by it, and then he took some kind of independent action and did something he wasn't supposed to do and ate of the forbidden food and and that was the fault right there. So now, having fallen to that first stress, the invisible presence of uh, the, ser the serpent who was in the hiding in the foliage and speaking to Eve's mind and through Eve to Adam. So thereafter, see, now here's another aspect of it. This is just a little aside. I want to continue with the main theme of today's program about eustress and distress. And, but I want you to see what stress is. So of course, once Adam fell, then he needed stress in order to continue to, to be motivated and stimulated and goaded and pressured, and challenged, and teased to perform, to act, to live, to grow. See what I mean? He needed stress because the sustaining life, sustaining love, sustaining energy, sustaining um, delicate realizations that would have come from the Creator, he now needed something else to keep his uh, animal body gingered up and um, alive long enough to reproduce and make the next generation of fallen beings. See? Listeners in New York are getting the 15-minute version of this program. To hear the whole 30-minute program, go to SheddingShackles.com or GetReadyToPray.com. Roland would love to hear from listeners. Let him know how much you enjoy listening to Shedding Shackles. Send him an email today to roland at sheddingshackles.com. You can also send him a letter or donation through the mail. And if you'd like to just leave him an encouraging message, his listener comment line is 510-455-8851. Again, 510 455 8851, and let him know how much you enjoy listening to Shedding Shackles. Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. There was also Ivan Pavlov, who studied uh, conditioned response. But we know that he would feed the dogs, he would bring food, and the dog would salivate when the dog saw the food. And then pretty soon, he would start to ring a bell every time he brought food for the animal. And before long, through conditioned response, the response to the food was transferred to the bell. And then when he rang the bell, the dog would salivate. So something like that happened with Adam, if you'll pardon the analogy. It was the stress, the invisible psychic stress the suggestion that the serpent made to Eve's mind. But then Eve spoke to Adam. Adam was excited by the idea, 
and the idea became associated with words and words with her form. And so thereafter, Adam was excited by words, stimulated by words, motivated by words, and motivated and stimulated by the woman's form, see, by the transference of um, the conditioned response. So that's just a little aside. But now here's the thing. And to this very day, aren't we moved by words? We're uplifted by words and we're depressed by words and made unhappy by words and angered by words. And how about men and women's forms? You see what I mean? So it all goes back to the Garden of Eden. So now you see the Garden of Eden is not just a myth. No, it's true. In fact, you can see it replayed in your own life. You can see how, how men fall. Men fall hard for uh, the uh, motivating presence of the woman. All right. But anyway, so here we go. Let's continue now with the theme. So I said that once Adam fell away from God and God's sustaining energy and sustaining love and sustaining presence and everything, then Adam, once he fell away from that, then he needed stress. See, not only did he become a stress-responsive animal, but he was dependent upon stress. Dependent upon stress to stimulate and ginger him up and motivate him and to add zest to life and to goad him on and pressure him on and tease him on. So now you need stress. Now people actually need stress. They need someone, they need something to go wrong so they can get angry and drum up enough energy to go to work. They need, sometimes people need somebody to yell at them to get them moving. A lot of people need a deadline. No deadline, they can't function. They need a deadline. See, so people need something to stimulate them, to motivate them, to prod them, to tease them, to challenge them. Now, we remember Dr. Hanselier with eustress and distress. So you, you could look at every, just about every stress that you can think of. And in a sense, if, if in moderation, and responded to appropriately at, for the right reason, you could look at it as a, as a eustress. But on the other hand, it becomes very easily becomes a distress. So let's say somebody is, um, let's see, what could I say? They keep, uh, uh, let me just think of something here. They keep coughing. All right, they're coughing. All right, big deal. So they're coughing. But if you resent them for coughing, if you resent the person, then the resentment becomes the stimulus to stimulate anger and bad thoughts about that person. You see? Well, you resent that person enough, and then pretty soon, do you remember Pavlov's dog? Then you're sitting in a classroom one day or in a library or something, and somebody is coughing. You find yourself becoming nervous. You find yourself becoming irritated. See? So now that becomes the stimulus because you responded to it improperly. So it shouldn't have been a stress. Somebody coughing shouldn't bother you. I mean, of course, if they're right next to you, it would. But I mean, somebody across the room, it shouldn't, shouldn't bother you. Or they sneeze or, or they sniff their nose or they scratch their head. And it shouldn't bother you. But if you resent it, then it becomes a stimulus, and by condition response, eventually 
anytime anybody sneezes or coughs or scratches their head, then you become irritated by it. You understand? So the problem is, because of a lack of proper training, a lack of understanding, and through um, lack of self-control, you have allowed yourself to be stimulated, to be irritated by many, 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 many things. And now you wonder why you go through the day and at night you come home all tense and nervous. See, you should be able to go through the day and there's a little traffic. Shouldn't bother you. Somebody scratches their head. Shouldn't bother you. Somebody doesn't say hi to you. Shouldn't bother you. There's a little extra work. Shouldn't bother you. There's traffic on the way home. Shouldn't bother you. There's a little rain. Shouldn't bother you. You understand? You should come home happy-go-lucky and Maybe tired after a good day's work, but you shouldn't be all stressed out. See? This is Jeremiah Trujillo, the producer of Shedding Shackles. I invite you to visit the many resources available at our website, sheddingshackles.com, sheddingshackles.net, or sheddingshackles.us. All right, so now do you understand? So, yeah, stress. So, yeah, little kids do need little teases. They do, little kids tease each other. And if it's harmless tease and parents are watching to make sure that it doesn't go overboard, then little teases and little excitements and little kids like to pound things and bang things and and they love to watch things react to them and rush around and all these little stimulations. Children need need them in order to grow. Just like a cat. You know, you've probably seen a little kitten will get a a little ball of yarn or something and then, or a pretend mouse and toy with it. Keep toying with it with their paw and, and, and playing with it and rushing after it and biting it and you know that stuff. Well, that's how kittens grow. Well, little children need little stimulations, and even little teases, as long as it's not too much, in order to grow. Because that's just the way we are. We're part earth, part part heaven, part uh, spiritual, part matter. And so the matter part, the animal, the fallen animal part that we inherit from Adam, we need that, that to be stimulated. But now I want you to understand that when you are mature, you've grown to full stature, and through little teases and challenges and playing sports and things when you were a child and a teenager, now you become a man or a woman. And then you get married and you go to work and you build a business and whatever you do. But at a certain point in life, you begin to look for something more, something more. And you're yearning for the father you've never known. And so you begin to seek, and you begin to search. And one day, God answers, he turns up the light, and you begin to realize, and you begin to understand, and uh, you begin to find a relationship with God. And fortunately, because of what Christ did, it is possible to return to a relationship with God like Adam had before the fall. That's totally possible. And it begins the day that you begin to search and to seek 
And the day that you begin to look for something else, you want to find the purpose for your existence, and, and then you're willing to lay down the resentments, you're willing to lay down the angers, you're willing to lay down your judgments of others and your grudges against them. You're willing to lay those things down. And you can find a new energy, a love energy that comes from God, a new, um, a new existence, one that will lead you through, see, a set, a set of new chances. But now look, let us suppose now that you, you, or beget you are finding your creator, and you now go through life, and you're always you're close to your creator. You're no, you no longer get lost in things. You no longer look to the world for love and for satisfaction. You look within to your creator. Well, now there will be challenges. Some people will be rude. Some people might be mean. Some people will misunderstand you. Things happen. Now you deal with those with poise, with courage, with kindness. See, you learn to deal with them properly because God shows you. Wordlessly, you realize you and you have understanding and you don't hate people anymore. Now, every stress now, wasn't it James who said, count it a blessing when you fall into various trials and, and tribulations because they will stress your patience. And he said, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be complete, lacking nothing. So as you exercise patience, as you're given grace by God, and as he forgives you, then you forgive others. And now you, with grace, with courage, with kindness, with forbearance, with wisdom, with understanding. You deal with things, and then you grow. And now you grow in a new way. You grow toward God, and you grow in perfection. You're being perfected by God. And everything you encounter, it says in the Bible, all things work for good for those who love the Lord. And so now it's a new kind of a stress. Every time somebody stresses you, let's say they're mean to you, they're doing you a favor because you have a chance to bring forth patience and understanding, and you grow quietly, and you become a man of God or a woman of God. It's very beautiful. Until next time, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Please make a donation or support Roland Trujillo's ministry. Call him at his comment line. Area code 510-455-8851. Again, that's 510-455-8851. And learn more about Roland Trujillo's ministry by going to SheddingShackles.com or just send a letter or donation to Roland Trujillo, 1556 Fitzgerald Drive, number 217, Pinole, California, 94564. Again, that's Roland Trujillo, spelled R-O-L-A-N-D-T-R-U-J-I-L-L-O, at 1556 Fitzgerald Drive, number 217 in Pinole, California, 94564. You can also donate online at SheddingShackles.com.
Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo.